Hey guys. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Um, this is Hell Money Podcast. Episode three. Episode three. We still don't have any sort of introduction song no, or no. hook. Or Maybe we will. Raise. Maybe this will come after the introductory song yeah. has been added to the video. Exactly. But probably not. But probably not. Yeah. Um, so yeah, welcome back. Today we're loosely talking about Bitcoin energy consumption. Mm -hmm. Big topic. And the FUD... Bitcoin thereabouts FUD. yes exactly um but fud which for those who don't know is fear uncertainty and doubt just any sort of you know n are oh this is bad arguments that things are bad yeah usually I, fud is sort of a derogatory term fud is a derogatory term used by people who believe that whatever the story that's being promoted is to seed fear that's like right. they don't believe. Yep. yep so like yep. energy fud would be like Bitcoin is like terrible for the environment. Mm -hmm. And then people Or it's are just like, baby baby seals that go into wood chippers that power the whole network. Yeah, exactly. That would be energy that yeah. would be fud. And then somebody would say, oh no, that's not foot fud. They're actually not baby seals. They're older seals. They're like hardened criminal seals, so it's okay. Right, exactly. That would be anti-fud. <laughs> like, do you know where the term fud originated from? Because I actually think it's a brilliant term. Didn't it have to do with like I actually think the first time I heard it was in the context of Microsoft versus Linux. Yeah. That's where, so long ago. Yeah. Where it was like Microsoft, I think this is where it came from. Microsoft kind of fudding open source software saying like, oh, mm. open source software, it's not reliable. You can't depend on it. Maybe there's all these legal problems, right? And that is, that I think is where it entered the public lexicon. Interesting. So yeah. it preceded fake news. Because to me, fake yeah. news and FUD, like calling something fake news is like yeah. also a similar kind of thing. FUD is like more specific than fake news, but fake news often, you know, you'd call fake news that's like negative against your side fake news. Yeah, Like it's right, used yeah. in the same kind of context. Yeah, right. Fear and FUD is usually like, a lot of the time it's, it's sort of like specific attacks. It's like, Having these sort of like vague concerns, like fudding and concern trolling are also, are, are very like aligned. I feel like FUD is a little bit more conspiratorial in the sense of like, it's, it, FUD to me implies that like there's an ulterior motive mm -hmm. and you're using whatever it is that you're talking about yeah. as a way of spewing fear, uncertainty, and doubt about the thing that you already yeah. have a preconceived. So totally. there's a little bit of a conspiracy. Whereas concern trolling, well, I concern like, trolling well, is when you're like, too, yeah, I guess. Yeah, but I guess concern trolling, I don't know. Concern trolling is always you, you present yourself as being aligned with the thing that you're concerned about. You go like, well, guys, like I'm really concerned that like, Obamacare is going to, you know, have death panels or something. Right. That's like an example. You, you sort of like, no, I love Obamacare. It's all well and good, sure. but like death panels, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. Right, right. So I, I think it's, I think mo like people could benefit from adding FUD to their like lexicon of terms oh, yeah. because I feel like it is like an important concept to understand in the age of information. Yeah. I mean, in know? an age of like all news is fake news, yeah. being able to have words for the different kinds of fake news seems it's useful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, that was my biggest challenge in researching for this episode is like, I got to this point where I was reading all these articles about like mm -hmm. Bitcoin energy consumption. Like, is it FUD? Is it not? And I was like, I literally don't believe anything. Yeah. They're, you know? they're totally ungrounded. <laughs> Both sides are like, you know, I, I agree with the Bitcoiners mostly yeah. that it is mostly FUD, 
But I think a lot of the Bitcoiners' arguments are, like, totally unconvincing. Totally. Like, they're just ideologically, like, knee-jerk. Like, no, Bitcoin is great. Bitcoin is great for everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's hard to find anybody it's, who's, like, actually well-informed. It's literally impossible to find real news in this day and age. That's yeah. what I've learned yeah. over my many years. Um, I guess before we get into it, I sort of had a couple just random little bit. I'd be thinking. Yeah. i always be thinking. I do be like that. <laughs> um, and one of the things I wanted to ask you about because... You're a free market guy. Yeah, yeah. Ostensibly. And cap all the and way. And cap yeah, ostensibly. Yeah. Anarcho capitalist. The yeah. most insane of the of the, of the capitalists and the anarchists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and good for you. More power to you. But I honestly have not you're like maybe the first person that I've met that's like I've seriously engaged with in discussion that's like a real free market guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I'm slowly dissecting free market ideology in, mm-hmm. my, in my spare time. Right, yeah, yeah. And one of the things, one of the conundrums that I've been like thinking about a lot is like intellectual property laws. Yeah, right, yeah. And also I've been thinking about this in the context of Bitcoin because I think I said this in a past episode maybe, but mm-hmm. like open source ideology, just like the idea of something being developed in that kind of open source way is mm-hmm. so new and I, right. it is very yeah. like, integral to bitcoin right. obviously but yeah. i also think it's just sort of this new way of doing things that like yeah. tech is more on the forefront of mm-hmm. and then like every other industry like has never ever right. done things that absolutely. way absolutely yeah um yeah. and i think it's interesting to think about like intellectual property in the context of like an open source world because like okay in my opinion like a true libertarian free market person would be like no intellectual property laws like yep whoever can make it the cheapest should do it if they're if like we're talking about like an ideological sort of moral liberal libertarian right yeah agreed 100 percent. they should be like well like if they should be like okay well the sort of natural state of things mm-hmm. is to sort of be able to copy data right right and and if you can't copy data well who's enforcing that it's some sort of like state enforcement exactly right? that in order to have intellectual property laws you'd have to have some sort of like government enforcement of intellectual right. property yeah but I feel like what actually happens is like the libertarian libertarian people, mm-hmm. not like average libertarian people, more like big libertarian thinkers like Ayn Rand, for example. Like mm-hmm. Ayn Rand was like pro intellectual property laws yeah. because she she was like, you need to protect ideas as property. Like mm-hmm. the, the power of the individual right. partially comes right. from ideas. Right. Um, I think, but I feel like that's kind. Of, I don't know. I'm not. In, I I'm like undecided. Yeah. Well, so I think Ayn Rand, like everything that I know about her, seems like sh- her worldview was like that. She would have these like singular towering geniuses mm-hmm. that would contribute like these amazing ideas and amazing inventions to the world. Right. The architects. Yeah, the architects. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole thing about Atlas Shrugged. Is like that book is about these few geniuses like just being like, no, fuck you guys. We're not going to do our genius work and the world just like crumbles, you mm-hmm. know? But I, I think that model of how technology, culture, and civilizational development happens is totally wrong. Everybody is building off of each other's works. Yeah. Everybody is like building off of the works of thousands, hundreds of thousands of other people and like incrementally adding to it. And that incremental addition and sharing is so important that it, when you have intellectual property law, you, you slow that down because right. people can't take from each other's ideas freely. Um, so I think Ayn Rand was probably just confused about how technology and culture happens and thought, oh, we need to protect these like lone geniuses. When it's like, no, that's not how it happens at all. It's this mob of people all contributing ideas to each other and intellectual property like makes that mob function worse and slows down, right? Do you think that there's something to be said for, like, disincentivizing 
inventions if you can't patent it? No. Um, I mean, so I, I, I think most inventions that we see in the world mm -hmm. would happen even if patents were not available. So Why do you say that? Because, you know, like it's just obvious that it, that it benefits the company regardless of whether or not other people can copy it. Mm -hmm. And so like, for example, like, okay, take Samsung. Samsung makes a bunch of, bunch of like TVs, right? Um, clearly they do a lot of R and D to produce better TVs each year. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I'm very much convinced that they, they would still do that R and D even if they weren't able to get a patent because they can make better TVs. They can compete in the market. Right. Mm -hmm. So in a world where patents don't exist, they would be doing much the same amount of research, but more people would be benefiting from it. Like other people could copy their techniques and make better TVs as well. And we'd have like higher quality of TVs in the market. Mm -hmm. So I think that like probably some inventions wouldn't happen because some people are doing it on the basis of patent, but there are many inventions that would still be made even without um, the ability to patent them because people would still benefit from being able a to better make better product or better whatever. Yeah. Their company would benefit by being able to introduce a better product. Sure. So like, I think the, the, what I think about is that every time somebody patents something mm -hmm. that they would have done, even if they were not able to get a patent, that is a failure of the patent system, right? We would have had a better outcome if they still would have made the same invention but they didn't get a patent for it. And so they were forced to compete and other people could copy that invention. Yeah. Right. No, I agree with you. I think that's sort of my perspective is like, there probably are things that wouldn't be invented or research that wouldn't be done without intellectual property laws. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's enough of a disadvantage to having like only some people be able right. to create something right. yep. Yep. versus anybody being like, I mean, yep. drugs are like a good example, right? Like if you can produce drugs, rather than having to go through whatever company patented the drug. Right. Then right. like that, yeah. I mean, yeah. that to me is like, that's probably overcoming like right. any of the, the kind of losses that you would have. Right. Yeah. So yeah, to me, it like, I feel like the negatives of the patent system outweigh the benefits of mm -hmm. it. But I was just surprised and kind of like looking into this more, how many people are pro intellectual property laws that claim to be libertarians. Yeah. And I think it, it's, it's a little bit of like free market for me, but not for the type of ideology of like protecting the individual as like some exception, some individuals are exceptional uh -huh, and they right. should be protected because their ideas right. are just like right. property. Yeah. 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 But like ideas yeah. aren't scarce. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's yeah. like, right. Yeah. Like property laws are there because like if, if you have an apple and, and I take the apple, you don't have the apple anymore. Yeah. So we need some mechanism for making sure that we don't have conflict over that. And, and what we have is property rights where you're like, no, it's my apple. You can't take it. Right. 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 And, but for ideas, ideas are not scarce. You can't steal an idea. You can copy an idea. And so I think people just get confused about why we have property laws and think it's some sort of like moral thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, we actually have them to avoid conflict over scarce things. Right. And so for things that aren't scarce, we simply don't need them. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So, so, so I've been like a sort of doing open source development for a long time now. Mm -hmm. Um, probably since like 2009, maybe a little earlier, just with random projects that I like put out on GitHub. Um, I have one project called just, which is a command runner, which has a lot of users and that's totally open source. And from my perspective as a programmer, uh, intellectual property is like worse than useless. Like yeah. I, I, Every time I deal with it, it's a pain in the butt. 
other developers, even open source developers, they don't understand the complexity. They don't understand the, the nuances. Mm -hmm. They apply licenses to their projects that they don't understand the consequences of. They don't understand how copyright works. They don't understand what is and isn't copyrighted and what you're allowed to do with it. Um, there's been so many times when I've been working at companies and like they're just dumb shit related to copyright comes up. Like, oh, we can't use this code or like we have to be very careful about this. Like, and then also the other reason that like intellectual property is bad is because it's enforced by the government who is incompetent and has and terrible incentive. we hate the government. We <laughs> fucking loathe them. They're awful. But yeah, like, like, like if you think intellectual property is good, like, okay, so, I mean, maybe I shouldn't, like, I can rail on this for a long time, but like, if you think, like, if you want a patent system, okay, who's going to enforce the patent system, right? The government, mm -hmm. right? You're going to have yeah. government employees. These are not exceptional individuals. These are like life, these are like bureaucrats who make a trash salary, right? Mm -hmm. And one thing that people, some patent clerk working in a patent office has to do is determine whether or not an invention is like non-obvious, right? Because you don't want to be granting like patents for a bunch of stuff, which is obvious, right? right? So like, there's no way that's ever going to work. You're going to hire the most mediocre, like morons to work at this patent office who barely understand how like this technology works. And they're going to be the arbiters of what's novel and what isn't. Like, give me a fucking break. Like, that's that's never going to be... That's never going to work. Yeah. And you see some patents that are just, like, so dumb. Like, not worth the, the paper they're printed on. Wow, I wasn't expecting you to be so passionately anti-patent. I absolutely hate intellectual property. I think it's a, it's a degenerate parasite <laughs> that leeches blood from all of us. I even hate trademark. And most people are, like, fine with trademark. I think trademark is also moronic. And we can get rid of that. Everybody should be able to make as many fake Gucci shoes as they want. I agree. Yeah. I, that, yeah. that we can all agree yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except Gucci. Yeah, fuck them. Fuck but those. honestly, even Gucci, I feel like Gucci sort of at this point understands that like people knocking off their thing sort of like makes their thing more. Like, I, I wonder because I, when I see anything Gucci, I assume that it's a knockoff. I just automatically am like, oh yeah, that's probably a knockoff. Mm, that's too far then. But yeah. what you want is for people to mimic and yeah. like spread your brand yeah. and make it yeah. so that it's like, oh, this is so valuable yeah. that like I yeah. need to get a knockoff of it. One extremely good counterpoint to um, the arguments that patent, patents are necessary to create innovation is if you look at the fashion industry. So uh, you can't actually get a patent on a new design for an article of clothing, mm -hmm. right? Nobody, nobody talks about patents for a certain style of shirt, right? Um, and yet in the fashion industry, we see incredible innovation, always coming up with different kinds of shirts. Like, like, like there's constantly invention in the fashion industry, even though they're not able to get any kind of intellectual property for like a shirt design. Mm -hmm. Right. They can, they can patent their logo. They can patent certain design elements like the red bottom of a, you know, Louboutin or whatever shoe. Good for you. Thank nice. you. Um, you can patent those things, but in general, you can't patent the, the, the design of, you know, like the cut of a shirt or like, sure. and we see a Cambrian explosion of inventiveness in that area. Mm -hmm. Why are they doing this if they can't if they can't get a patent for it? Well, it's because they like need to compete with each other, right? Yeah. And the the lack of patents means that they don't have to worry like, oh, am I infringing uh, like some patent if I put ruffles on my like shirt in a certain way? Is right? that why AliExpress is allowed to just like steal random designs from like people on Instagram and mass produce? Yeah. Well, I would say like they they're not stealing them, right? Like I don't. Think but it's I'm just illegal. being like a. No, no, no. Oh, I don't know if it is. That's no, no. Not, I'm yeah. just, I'm just saying that, like, well, they're copying them. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like, 
I, 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 I'm curious what you mean. Do you mean like, uh, like there's always like indie artists that will be like, I made this and then like, I like, what are we talking about? Like a, like a shirt design. Oh, sure. Yeah. There, there's no intellectual property for right. a, a shirt design. So they're design. already not even protected yeah. anyway. Yep. Okay. So yep. do away with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just let the Instagram mob decide. Yeah. Just kidding. Absolutely. Actually, that's the worst. <laughs> Better than the state. Yeah. Some keyboard liquor at the patent office. I don't know, honestly. I'm figuring it out. But, I, you know, I'm I'm dissecting. So that was like, you know, in my sort of like investigating free market ideology, mm-hmm. that was one of my sticking points. Where right. I was like, hmm. Like, no, anybody who like says that they're a free marketer and is in favor of intellectual property is, is just some sort of like confused, like they're intellectually confused somehow they don't know how the world works yeah ayn rand very intellectually confused ayn rand yeah i mean like i don't know honestly yeah what 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 this is about her like why she would be like dude the state maybe ayn rand didn't understand that the state was like incompetent and you can't task it to do things that if you hope it to turn out well maybe she just didn't understand that yeah maybe we should (laughs) dig her up and ask (laughs) okay well that was that was my musing um should we get into energy fed? Are you gonna? Well, we're gonna skip this whole section about cults. We can talk about cults. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. mean, like, yeah, Bitcoiners are a cult. Bitcoiners are totally a cult. Yeah, but like, as you say on the Hell Money podcast, we are value neutral when I'm, it comes to cults. I'm value neutral. When I it think comes you're to actually cults. a little pro cult. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. cults have vibes. Cults, cults have are based vibes, around very strong vibes. And I do think that there's something to be said in like the incredibly lonely and isolated like society that we live in now like mm. just the value of like having like an extended communal right. communal family right. in that yeah, way yeah, is yeah. like yeah. I do think that's like a huge draw for people that like I don't know people get creeped out by that like they're right. like it's kind of culty and like yeah, it right. is kind of culty yeah. but yeah, it also yeah, yeah. like people love it and really crave yeah. it you and know institutions or like groups where you can belong to the group, they kind of create social capital, mm-hmm. right? I think people look at a group that has like a lot of like internal cohesion and they see that it has a lot of internal social capital. They're like, oh, members of this group, they trust each other, they work well with each other. And they sort of think that social capital is a zero sum game. Like somehow having that group where people have high social capital is kind of detracting from the social capital of like society or something. Yeah. But I think in reality, like the, the base state of na- nature is there's like zero social capital among anybody. Like you don't just trust some random person because they're a random person, right? You trust somebody because they're family, because they're friends that you've known for a long time, because you have some sort of like group affiliation with them. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, yeah, I think we need these, we need groups. We need things to center ourselves around that create social capital within the group. Right. And like, the alternative is just like the sort of like atomized, like nobody trusts anybody else. Exactly. Sort of this ideal that everybody in the society is supposed to be like, there's supposed to be social capital in the society in general. Mm-hmm. But if you've got a society that isn't oriented around anything that anybody can sort of be a part of, like that's just not going to happen. You're not going to have this like global social capital. Well, and I think also like one of the big issues with the like group dynamics of like cults of old is that like it required like a charismatic leader to promote. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in the age of the internet, you don't even need that anymore. Yeah. Like you need, you need a vibe you need and a then vibe. you need people who are able to create like memes mm-hmm. and content around that vibe. Exactly. It's and more every, crowdsource. And like the, everybody sort of open source cult. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, the internet is just one big open source cult factory. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's like you used to have a charismatic leader and that was like the center of the cult. Mm-hmm. Right. And now it's like this, like, collectively manufactured vibe yeah. that everybody kind of knows where the center is and like everybody produces memes that are like in this like vibe cloud 
But then I guess the, the vibe can shift over time. And you yeah. see that in communities where like the center of the, the cult vibe like will shift. And it's like, oh, now this idea is like part of the vibe. And now this idea is like, oh no, that's passe or that's like offensive or like so, whatever. Well, now. that's, I feel like what happened with like QAnon, like QAnon, well, I guess QAnon was sort of like Trump is the savior from the beginning, but uh-huh. I feel like it did kind of like, it started with like the global pedophile stuff and then uh-huh. it like started moving more towards like Trump's the guy, Trump's the guy, he's going to do it, he's going to do oh, it, you know, uh-huh, like right. it sort of like went off in that direction rather than being like about the billionaire pedophiles or whatever. Uh-huh, right. I mean, it still was, but it was, I feel like that was more the backdrop for mm. like the movement at large. Mm-hmm. But I feel like QAnon is also a good example where it's like, presumably there was some like original Q, but right. then at some point it just became this like kind of like crowdsourced like puzzle well yeah i mean like you know i don't remember like i mean it was originally on 4chan Mm -hmm. right and you don't have any way of of identifying a poster there and so you had the anonymous original anonymous q but then other people could post as q and nobody would know i actually don't know i think there might be a way to identify posters on 4chan i think something called trip codes yeah, yeah there was some level of like identifying but i think also even beyond that it's like the messages that were posted, you needed to encrypt. And so like what the messages actually meant, like, like it was like a puzzle. Right. You and it was, to, like, it was decoded by the mob. Exactly. Right? So, and the mob would decode it. Yeah, in sorry, different... decoded, not encrypt. Like you needed to have crowdsourced interpretation mm-hmm. of the original yeah. text. Yeah. So even if he was one person, the interpretation was completely crowdsourced. Mm-hmm. So like it went off in all these like weird directions. And I think that's also what makes it so hard to control. Mm-hmm. Is like, okay, let's say you have like a Jonestown situation, like Jim Jones is at the head of that and like that's who you're targeting. And if mm-hmm. you can get Jim Jones, like the whole thing probably collapses, right? Mm-hmm. But like with QAnon or with Bitcoiners, mm-hmm. it's like there is no like figure to take out or like take out the whole thing. Right, right. Yeah. The Yeah, the book that I was I reading. I mean, Satoshi like removed himself from the yeah. discourse. Right? Maybe he's cute. Maybe he's, he's like, yeah, guys, Satoshi's I'm moving cute. on to other yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm working on other projects. <laughs> Shit posting on 4chan. <laughs> posting puzzles on 4chan. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, I feel like the Bitcoiner group is definitely culty, which, mm-hmm. as I said, I'm value neutral about. Mm-hmm. But it's funny to, it's funny to observe. It's funny to think about. Like, the book that I'm reading about it, like, their kind of, like, main message is that secret language is like the mm-hmm. key to a cult that mm-hmm. like the more secret oh, yeah. language you get the more that you isolate people from other groups mm-hmm. and also create solidarity within mm-hmm. the group and like mm-hmm. bitcoin maxis yeah and the fact that right everyone has their anon names because that's yeah. part of it too is and it's also like, very cool to be an anon like we are like losers because we aren't like anons on Twitter. You're not, well, you're not even Twitter. You don't even have a Twitter. No. But like I'm like a I'm like a normie, like you know my name on Twitter. And this is very this is deeply uncool. Like I should be an anon. I disagree. Well, I'm I'm sort of I'm 50-50 on the anon thing. I think it's cool. If- what are you talking about? You like uh Eric Sirion? Yeah. You were like really into his like anon. Really cool. yeah. I think it's really cool to like be anonymous for real. Uh-huh. I don't think it's cool to be anonymous in this like mm. fake like Tumblr kind of way where right. it's like this you- is my username mom. Yeah. This is who I yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. am. But then like- in real life everybody knows who you are and everybody knows your real name. Well, and also like 
I mean, this is a whole other conversation, but like if you're tweeting, mm-hmm. like the government knows, like Twitter knows who you are, mm-hmm. knows where you are. Like mm-hmm. you might be anonymous to your friends, mm-hmm. which like good fucking job, dude. Yeah. But like you're not anonymous in a way that like tangibly matters if you're worried about yeah. systems of control, which in theory yeah. is the reason to be yeah. anonymous, right? The hard thing about being anonymous, like for real, is that then you kind of don't get to reap any of the benefits of your like notoriety or fame. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, one thing that I like about um, not being anonymous is I do things, you know, I do projects and stuff. And then I meet people and they're like, oh, like, I saw that project that you released. Like, I really liked it. And that feels really good. I love that. And like, yeah. meet people and whatever. I wonder if there would be like an anon way to like have that reputation, kind of, where you could like. You create a character name, like mm-hmm. Lady Gaga. Right. And then you become that and then you have like your side life. But then let's say you just want to show up to a party. Mm-hmm. You know, like, how do you prove that you're this anon figure that everybody likes? Like, mm. I, I feel like there's actually like a cryptographic solution to that. I think I'm you sure could have is. like a Chaumian reputation bank where you sort of everybody vouches for you, like how cool you are. And they give you a cool Bro, score. You're literally describing the social credit system. <laughs> well, no, except this one. It's, well, so it's. Uh, well, it's, horseshoe theory but it's, all it's run by Eric Sirion with his like mask and like, yeah. and not like the state yeah yeah I need no. to write that down this is a legitimately good idea yeah there you go make it you can invent the social credit system on Bitcoin do it on Bitcoin but yeah I don't know I mean it's yeah the anonymous stuff is just an interesting sort of facet for me that was like I was fascinated by that mm-hmm. I think it, it makes sense why people want to be anonymous and they don't want to be you know, whatever. I'm not even like, I don't really even like say my full name and stuff. Not mm-hmm. that I'm opposed to it, but mm-hmm. like, I do kind of try to keep my identity separate because I'm worried about all of my identities finding each other. Uh huh, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But like, your normie friends. No, you don't have normie friends. Boss. Yeah, your normie like coworkers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's fine. They know at this At this point, like, they've probably figured it out. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> it's not that hard. I'm not that good at hiding it. So, yeah. I mean, Bitcoin's a cult. But that's okay. No, right. No problem. <laughs> that's the conclusion there. So I've been thinking about intellectual property and I've been thinking about cults. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Intellectual property is a cult. I mean, but not one of the good but cults. But a bad cult. A vibe negative. Vibe cult. negative yeah. cult. Yeah, that's actually the main determining part of cults is, is the vibe good or is the vibe bad? Mm, right. Did you see Midsommar? No. I actually think that was a good vibe cult. Mm-hmm. Even though it's a horror movie, mm-hmm. I watched that and I was like, <laughs> I would join that cult. Uh-huh. The aesthetic of the all are white. They've got the flower crowns. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, I speak Swedish. No way. Yeah, jag pratar svenska herflutande. Wow. Det är ett fint språk. Yeah, jag var, I was an exchange student in Sweden. Uh, Where? Uh, in, in Lund. Oh, my mom worked there for. Oh, really? She was also an exchange professor there. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cute. Yep. Well, we can join the cult. Yeah, yeah. We can. I can transcribe. You'll be my in. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Sweden is a great cult too. You know. True. Honestly, yeah. honestly, true. Okay, should we switch gears? Yeah. Energy FUD? That's right, energy FUD. We're yeah. talking about FUD. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Yep, yep, yep. Which yep. I'm not even convinced that the energy stuff is energy FUD, but so, we'll talk about it. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I was just going to jump forward a bit. Like, well, so what is the Bitcoin energy FUD? Bitcoin energy FUD is like the facts that are like Bitcoin uses more energy than Norway. Right. You know, yeah. like those kind of things, yeah. which is like, I guess that's not FUD. That's right. just true. Right. Yep. But it's framed in this way of like, 
Bitcoin is so incredibly bad for the environment. Mm-hmm. It's like not a viable, right? You know, right? Yeah. Screw Bitcoin because yep. of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think the the two there's there's one thing that's important to get to up front, which is a lot of the people who make this who make these arguments um, already think that Bitcoin is bad for the world for other reasons. Yeah. Right. And so if you're going to make an argument that like oh Bitcoin uses a lot of energy, if something uses a lot of energy. Uh, or uses a lot of resources, then the question is, is it worth it? Right. Right. And that depends on its utility. Mm -hmm. So if you have people who are like, oh yeah, Bitcoin's utility is actually negative. And so what that means is actually any amount of resource usage would be be a waste in their point of view. And then they make arguments about resource usage. Well, it's like kind of disingenuous. They're like skipping the first step of the argument where they're like, okay, Bitcoin is bad and thus its energy uses it is bad. Yeah, I think generally like the energy consumption argument comes from people that already have a reason for not right. liking Bitcoin. Yep. And so they're creating the yep. energy FUD around it. Yep. But then it's hard because, I mean, I said this already at the beginning of the episode, like in trying to kind of like research and get to the bottom of things, I do feel like a lot of the rebuttals are from the exact opposite thing right. where it's people that like Bitcoin. Yeah, and they think that any amount of energy, if Bitcoin used 100% of the planet's energy that that would be great yeah, yeah. they're like actually it doesn't matter like climate right. change isn't real you yeah, know and yeah, they totally. totally like go to the other side yeah, yeah and so like it's really hard yeah i mean <laughs> like honestly i feel like at this point maybe you'll like convince me otherwise throughout this episode i'm like i don't know yeah 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 i mean but I think maybe nobody knows and that's just kind of it's like a deeper existential question about energy usage in general it's just more complicated like everybody likes to ride in on their monocausal hobby horse right where they're like okay like i think this thing is good and thus i'm going to decide every argument about whether or not this thing that i've already decided like which way i'm affiliated with right yeah but yeah i think it's complicated it's like well like Okay, well, how much energy is Bitcoin really using, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so first off, like the I think the comparing Bitcoin to a country is a really bad way of framing Bitcoin's energy usage. Well, it's good if you want to be anti-Bitcoin, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but bad if you just want to have a neutral um, sort of restrained view of it. Mm-hmm. So um, if we look at countries, countries are like all different sizes. We have huge countries like Russia. And then we have, you know, tiny countries like Norway. And there's also countries that are different levels of energy intensiveness, right? So actually saying it sounds when you say Bitcoin uses as much energy as a country, that sounds like a big deal, mm-hmm. right? But you're actually saying Bitcoin uses as much energy as a very small, not incredibly energy intensive country, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's, it's like not that it's like not all countries are created equal, so it doesn't even make sense to use that as like a milestone, right? The energy fund ne- people need to say it in terms of states because the thing is with Americans, we don't even get geography lessons. So I actually have no context for yeah, who knows how fucking. But if you much- said it uses as much energy as like Pennsylvania, I'd be like, oh my god. I, I even you know? think that's a bad framing because it has the same problem as. Countries. I mean, I agree. I'm just trying to give them ideas. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. yeah. 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 <laughs> If they wanted to really hit home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, fuck Pennsylvania. No, Pennsylvania. No, no, right. You're from Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania's great. Pennsylvania's the most underrated state in the union. Anyway. Okay. Moving Um, on. So, but no, like, okay, I think it's better to frame it as a percentage of global energy production, right? Because that's an actual concrete number that doesn't really... Sure. Right? And so I I read before this episode. I don't know if it's true. Did your research? Did your homework? I didn't do my research. I did a research. 
So like I, I read that it's 0.5% of global energy production. Which is high. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's but high. it's not like, I mean. I, I think that gives a much better, like I think saying it's the size of a country is sort of a hysterical framing, right? I think a more neutral framing because countries are like on this like exponential curve of energy sure, usage, sure, sure, right? Sure, sure. Yeah. So yeah, just, so just saying like, yeah, 0.5% of energy usage. Um, is that high? Is that low? Well, okay, now we kind of have to get into like, what is the utility that Bitcoin provides? Yeah. Um, if Bitcoin is a, you know, uh, secure, fair, um, global monetary network that makes everything we do uh, easier and better, then 0.5% of energy consumption is like nothing. It's like totally worth it, right? Right. For example, like Visa, like the Visa v credit cards charge like what, like two, three percent something, right? Three percent on each charge. Like sure. it's like 2.9% plus 30 cents or something. Mm -hmm. So like that means that like in the GDP, we're like sacrificing if like the, the, the part of the GDP that is processed with credit card payments, mm -hmm. we're sacrificing like 3% to the credit card companies. Sure. Right. So if we're, if we're sacrificing 0.5% to the Bitcoin miners, that seems like a pretty good deal, right? Are you comparing dollars and energy? Oh, I'm I'm percent I'm I'm comparing the percentage of uh, the GDP that is sort of consumed by processing transactions. Transactions, sure. yeah, I yeah, see. yeah, yeah. I wonder, like, okay, do you have a sense for like Bitcoin right now? The transactions obviously are much lower than you would expect if Bitcoin. If we reach a hyper Bitcoinization. The the size or the fees. Uh, that's kind of what I'm at. Like at, yeah. at energy consumption, like what is like the, is it like a, you know, oh, what, what determines situation? how much does it end up being yeah. flattening up? Like if Bitcoin were to be adopted worldwide, mm -hmm. how much energy would Bitcoin consume? Do you have a sense for that? Does anyone have a sense for that? Yeah, it's actually pretty simple. So, well, I mean, sort of simple. Um, so, you know, every, so miners are the ones who are buying energy. And they, they're the ones who are buying energy to use as input to their mining operations. And so the amount of energy they want, they're willing to buy depends on the amount that they expect to make from their mining operation. Mm -hmm. So sort of ignoring like depreciation and like uh, inefficiencies and like, uh, you know, other inputs, like they have to buy like space to put their miners. Roughly speaking, they're going to be willing to buy the amount of energy that they expect to make. And so they're like, if a miner expects to be able to earn, let's say that there's like a thousand Bitcoin in like fees and block rewards every, every month. Mm -hmm. So if a miner expects to be able to, with like a mining facility, um, get 1% of those thousand Bitcoins every month. So 10 Bitcoins every month, they'll be willing to buy about 10 Bitcoins worth of, of energy. Mm -hmm. So like if, if, if feet, like that det entirely determines it, right. You look at the amount of like miners are all competing for the block reward right. and the amount of the block reward determines how much they are willing to pay to compete for the block reward. Mm -hmm. So if the block reward is a hundred dollars, miners will spend a hundred dollars on energy to get the block reward. Mm -hmm. Right. So at global usage at global scale, like Bitcoin would have a much higher market cap. Um, the block subsidy, the fixed portion of the block reward that halves every four years will go down over time. Fees will go up. Um, so I'm kind of saying like, I know what the equation is, but I don't know what the inputs are. But so in, 
I guess like just look like does it level off at some point based on incentives like where it's like at some point it becomes too like I guess I'm trying to wrap my head around like if there's infinite transaction like there's uh-huh. everyone is sending Bitcoin yeah, everywhere right. yeah like does it just keep going up forever energy consumption or is there some point where it's not profitable like how does that work out that's right yeah so I mean I mean assuming we don't have a block size increase eventually and the blocks stay at the same size. Um, we have one to four megabyte blocks. It's sort of a confusing thing, but 400, 400 unit blocks. And each transaction takes up a certain number of units within a block. And so if more people transact, then they're, they're going to have to, they're going to be competing for scarce block space, mm-hmm. right? One block every 10 minutes. So that gives like a maximum amount of transactions that can be processed in a given unit of time. So they're all going to be paying fees to try to bribe the miners to include them in a block. Mm-hmm. So the more people transact, the more people want to transact with Bitcoin, the more they're willing, they'll, they'll be willing to bid to get their transactions in the blockchain. And thus fees will go up. And then the more miners will be willing to pay in energy to compete for those fees. So more energy. More energy, yeah. I mean, eventually once we get to like saturation where everybody's using Bitcoin, um, yeah, it does like level off. We get to a okay. point where like, yes, there's everybody is using Bitcoin who wants to use Bitcoin. Some people are using lightning network. Some people are using base chain. Some people are using custodial things like they're on exchanges, just trading Bitcoin back and forth on, forth on exchanges that doesn't contribute right. um, to the energy, to, to the, to the, to the amount that miners are willing to bid because they don't get those transactions. Right. Fees. That's not a part of the kind of like overall energy right. consumption yeah. Yeah. situation. But yeah, we eventually do get to a point where it's like saturated and, and yeah, it just, it, it will be at some probably very high level. Right. So it's going to take a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's no way around that. Yep. Why, why is that? Like, why is it important for Bitcoin to use this much energy versus like Ethereum that uses less? Like what is the reason why Bitcoin uses so much energy? Yeah. So one reason, so I, so one thing is Ethereum uses proportionally as much energy as Bitcoin okay. compared to its market cap. I think I, I also looked this up So earlier. Ethereum's not better? Uh, at the moment, no. Okay. Um, Ethereum is oh. uses about 50%. Hmm. The FUD got me. Oh, I... yeah, the FUD got you, yeah. <laughs> no, Ethereum uses about 50% as much energy as Bitcoin, which I, I think is like roughly proportional to its market cap, mm-hmm. right? So it kind of uses proportionally as much energy as Bitcoin. If Ethereum were bigger, it would use... As much energy as Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. They are transitioning to proof of stake, um, but proof of stake is a complex technical topic. I'll just say that it, it's insecure and it's not decentralized. Um, but back to like, why does Bitcoin and, and proof of stake doesn't use any, any energy, sort of, sort of. There's no free lunch. It's not the like super energy intensive yeah. thing that we associate with Bitcoin. Yeah, it uses energy in a different way for other weird reasons, but. Pulse, pulse. Proof of stake FUD. Yeah, proof of stake FUD. I have lots of proof <laughs> of stake FUD. So, but why does Bitcoin need to use energy? So the way that it works is that Bitcoin has, Bitcoin needs to pay miners, needs to incentivize people to extend the longest blockchain mm-hmm. with new transactions. Because if an attacker can spend resources they can start like forking the chain, right? Like, so we have like a, like a chain of blocks and it's growing up from the bottom. And like, let's say this is block zero and this is block one. And then we need to incentivize people to build 
like a new uh, block on top of this mm -hmm. um, to like process new transactions so that transactions can't be censored, etc. So for example, an attacker, maybe when, a, let's say this, this block is like full of transactions. This has got all these transactions, right? So if an attacker wanted to disrupt the Bitcoin network, well, they could build their own block on this block and then just makes, I'll call this like two prime. They could bake this two prime block with no transactions. Mm -hmm. And so they would essentially, if, if there were more miners, more people, more resources directed at doing this, at creating new blocks with empty transactions, they would essentially be able to halt activity on Bitcoin. Okay. They could prevent a transa transactions from ever getting processed. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of this balance between the attackers and the defenders. And the, the defenders are the honest miners. Defend who are, the network. Yeah. Who, the, de the cultish language. Yep. Yep. Defending the network and they're, they're, they're creating new blocks that are including valid transactions. And they're sort of, it's, there's, there's a balance between them and the attackers and the attackers are trying to mine in a sort of nefarious way. One of the, the simple way that I'll, that I'll use as an example is mining empty blocks to censor activity on the network. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we've got to, so basically why would the attackers attack the network? Well, they would do it for some sort of financial gain. Like maybe they, um, I don't know, maybe they're like a government or something that doesn't like Bitcoin. Yeah. And so they just want to censor transactions. They just want to kill the network. Right. So uh, the they're going to have some amount of resources that they're willing to put into doing that. Some amount of like, they 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 want to, they want to, uh, like it's worth it to this, it's worth a million dollars to the government, to some government to censor Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So they're willing to buy like a million dollars of miners and electricity to mine these like this like empty empty fork. Mm -hmm. So the uh, defenders need essentially need to be incentivized by more than that amount to continue extending the the honest chain. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that is why Bitcoin needs to use energy because it needs to be costly to attack Bitcoin. Sure. So proof of work essentially ensures that it costs you a lot of energy and therefore money in order to attack the network. Right. It's not important that it's energy. It's it just it's but that it costs you something that would be valuable in this case, energy. Actually, that was another question I had when I was sort of big braining about all of this is like, let's say you had a society where you had like infinite energy, like mm -hmm. you have all the energy in the world. Does that break Bitcoin? Uh, yeah. I mean, infinite energy breaks everything because then you any don't even need money at that point. Yeah. Anybody would be able to direct. I mean, like half of infinity is still infinity. So anybody would be able to direct infinite resources at attacking the network and defending the network. And if you have one, uh, if you have an attacker with infinite energy and a defender with infinite energy, I don't know, like, how does that even work? You know, mm. like any, 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 you know, even the sun is, even if we built a, you know, Kardashev sphere around the sun, sure. we would be not getting infinite energy. We'd be get, getting, you know, sun amount of energy. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, yeah, we would want to incentivize that, like, it's that the, that the defenders are using more energy to extend the longest chain than the attackers are using to compromise it. Sure. Okay. That makes sense. That That's really, that's skipping ahead in my notes at this okay. point. Because yeah. I, was, <laughs> I was really thinking about yeah. energy. Because, I mean, really, I feel like what the like energy FUD comes down to is energy. It's right. Like, what do we think about energy? Like, I guess what we've been talking about right now is, like, why does Bitcoin need so much energy? Mm -hmm. And the answer is, like, 
to defend the network essentially right. to make it unattackable or you know whatever however you want to say that one 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 point like one thing that a lot of the energy fud confuses is they look at for example like a proof of stake system mm-hmm. like i don't know some random proof of stake shitcoin and they go well look at that network that doesn't use as much energy mm-hmm. right and and they miss that actually proof of work is more secure and more decentralized so they're making an apples to oranges comparison yeah right they're looking at like like Bitcoin is like, I don't know what some, like a, like a big buck stallion, you know, mm-hmm. fucking ready to go. Huge horse, put a bunch of shit on it, take it everywhere, jump over shit, you know? Sure. And then they're looking at this like, you know, shitty emaciated like donkey mm-hmm. and they're going, well, look, the donkey only eats like one carrot a week. And like the Bitcoin raging stallion eats like billions of carrots a week. And yeah. it's like, well, yeah, but you know, you, you like... You can put your niece on the donkey and it'll like keel over because it's like sick and emaciated, you know, whereas the big, like, it's just an apples to apples, apples to oranges comparison. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is like a deeper question about like, is the goal of our society to limit energy consumption or assume that we will continue to create energy abundantly, whether that's green energy or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, And I think like that is part of the... I mean, this is not even about Bitcoin. This is more of the environmental movement in general. I feel like there's a little bit of like, that hasn't been sussed out. Right. I think that's yeah. partially why like people are so conflicted about like, yeah. nuclear, for example. Right. Is right. like, I feel like a lot of people's solution to the environmental crisis is like, we need to use less. Energy is scarce and we need to be mm-hmm. using as little as possible, basically. Right. And then there's this kind of other like approach of like, we're going to innovate ourselves into like, solar grids and wind farms and maybe nuclear or whatever. And that like the energy crisis will be solved through innovation. Essentially. I I think that this one is pretty simple. Like energy is energy usage directly causes human flourishing, Mm -hmm. like very directly. Like there's a straight line from energy becoming cheaper and more available and people's lives getting much, much better. And so I think the idea that we somehow are going to have a good future where we don't grow the amount of energy usage, the amount of energy that we use and we don't make it cheaper. And in fact, maybe we make it more expensive that that's somehow going to be a good future that we're going to want to be in. I think that that's just like categorically false that we want to use like energy as lights, it's medical care, it's food, it's housing, it's, materials it's everything it's an input to everything in our society Mm -hmm. so the idea that we're going to have less energy as an input and somehow be better off i think is just like incorrect is like confused yeah i mean i think like i feel like your argument of like bitcoin costs a lot of energy but it's worth it Mm -hmm. is sort of predicated on that like underlying belief that more energy is necessary for a flourishing society and i think that's part of the disconnect that people don't realize that they have right Right. and they're just like oh it's bad to use energy and it's like well why is it bad to use energy right yeah right yeah but like i think electric cars are like a good example too of like where people are more able to put optimism into it and they Mm -hmm. don't realize that their underlying belief is optimism where like people think that like driving an electric car is a better thing than driving a gas car right Mm -hmm. which like it's not really right now because most of our electricity is not like clean energy but in theory it could be if we Mm -hmm. got to that point right right? and so i think like that's an example of like a situation where people are more primed to like 
think in a positive ener- like mm-hmm. energy future kind of way. Yeah, Whereas it's... like hearing like, oh, Bitcoin takes all this energy. It's like, well, we don't have that much energy. Right. We yeah, keep yeah, using yeah, this energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just this different like sort of it's... way that people flip. But I think people haven't decided or thought about the underlying thing. And that's why they flip yeah. between the yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, what do you envision for the future? Right. You know, yeah. like, what do you actually think a good future looks like? Is it a future where like, everybody has energy or is it a future where like we live like these like european gnomes or whatever like i kind of am pro that i mean like yeah i know you like but 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 but, but, like i know you like that lifestyle but like uh the lifestyle that you want is probably just more expensive when energy is expensive you want to be able to get your gardening supplies you want to be able to be plugged into a transportation network so when you need you can get the things that you can't produce um and like all of that gets more expensive when energy as an input gets more expensive. Yeah, I think I'm I'm mostly into like efficient systems design. Like mm-hmm. I think that like if you have like a good cycle, whether that's like your plants in a garden all like feed into each other in a good way, so you don't have to like input extra energy in the like in fertilizers or mm-hmm. whatever to like get them to work well. Like that to me is like well, that's mm-hmm. that's what I think like a good well designed life looks like is like where the system works out. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that there's little energy being exchanged. It just right. means that the energetic exchanges are it's vibes. Yeah. You, know? you gotta like yeah, yeah, yeah. put yeah. out, it's, you gotta have good vibes going yeah. out, good vibes yeah, going yeah. in. It's interesting but, so, yeah. like, with vibes, like it's interesting. People vibe with electric cars, but they don't vibe with nuclear. Yeah. Right. Like a lot of people are like, Oh, electric cars are great. And it's like, where's the energy coming from? Yeah. Like what's powering the factory that's making the car. Mm-hmm. But then nuclear is like abundant, like free, safe, non-polluting energy. And they're like, eh, like, yeah, I don't like that. No, I'm honestly like pretty, I, I, right now I'm doing my free market, uh, you know, nitpicking and trying to get, uh-huh. get through that. Like yeah. nuclear is also on my list where I oh, haven't yeah. decided how I feel about nuclear. I'm like, you can probably guess. I fucking Of love course nuclear. you love nuclear. Yeah. Of course you do. But I mean, I just, I think for me, it's a more like spiritual thing. Like, uh-huh. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like nuclear is very much like... Like the, the, the nature vibes are not good with nuclear. Why does, I just, for me, I'm like, why does splitting the atom result in like a catastrophic explosion? That to me is like a spiritual question. That C we is, need to be. C is really big in E equals MC squared. Just <laughs> it's fucking huge, man. I know, but what does that mean? Like, what does that mean about the nature of our reality? You know what I, like, I just. I, light goes really fast. But like, it's just. Like, are we breaking the simulation by doing, like, nuclear... Like, should we be playing God in that way? I don't think we're playing God. We're just, like... I don't know. know. I feel like there's something... Should we be burning things? Like, are we allowed to burn things? Is that playing God? I do think that, like... Like, I mean, fire is definitely, like, a spiritual element for sure. Mm -hmm. I feel like (laughs) nuclear fusion is, like, a new element or something. It's, like, that's what I'm... It's, like, hard for me to wrap my head around in terms of, like, my understanding of reality Mm -hmm. and my understanding of, like, Mm. the rules of the game. Yeah, we need a new... Like, I mean, we need, like, a way to fit nuclear into, like, a spiritual framework. Yeah. Right? Like, Like, it's, like... I mean that 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 like this like energy like like flows through the universe flows through everything and, and nuclear nuclear fission uh, taps that energy. But then why does it like why does like nuclear waste cause like death and destruction? You know what I mean? Like that has to fit into the mm, mythology mon- monkey's as well. Monkey's paw up and down. You know? Yeah, it's really that's what I mean. It's just like a big to me. It just seems like a very 
heavy topic mm. and it's like it, that's why I say it's like playing God because it's just like I feel like there's a lot of responsibility that comes with it and mm-hmm. like like I don't know what does the Pope think about nuclear you know what is like uh, has he opined on I don't know nuclear? this is what I'm saying I need to dig I need to like figure out like what are yeah. the spiritual treatises I, I wonder like on what nuclear? how do people feel about nuclear like by religion by ethnic group exactly right? that's Could what we I get mean. like a like a yeah. like a cultural topology of of nuclear vibes but I imagine that a lot of that ideology would have been formed in like the 60s during like mm-hmm. a nuclear bomb fear right, craze. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. I, yeah. I think, yeah, we also haven't really like reinvented our ideology after mm-hmm. that. We kind of had this like, oh my God, we're all going to die right. sort of like feeling. And then we were like, okay, okay, let's just like do away with nuclear for a while. And, yeah. and we still haven't like really reconciled with it yet. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like I think people who still think about nuclear are mostly people who are like, think it's going to be the end of the world. Right. You know, yeah. it's not yeah. people like you that are like, this is the key. Yeah, right. But I do think that we will see more of that. Like we have to, you yeah. know? Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I'm undecided. Yeah. I'm undecided about energy consumption. I'm undecided about nuclear. I kind of am just like, you got to just see what happens, man. I don't know. Yeah. You sound like a free marketer to me. <laughs> so like, I mean, yeah, like I, I want this future where we have like tons and tons of like nuclear energy each mm-hmm. nuclear each nuclear generation facility is co-located with a Bitcoin mine mm. that can be the buyer of like first resort and last resort, funds the development of all this energy. Everybody gets abundant nuclear ne- energy, people everywhere in the world, and it's like a fucking paradise. What do you do with all the waste? Uh, I don't know. Put it somewhere in like Nebraska. Oh my gosh. No, this I'm, is what I'm saying. No, I'm serious. Like you do the numbers and be like, okay, how much waste would nuclear power plants be? generate in like a year of powering the entire world and you get to the point where you're like oh yeah we could actually build like a big thing that would be like a few square miles in like nebraska to hold the nuclear waste of like a thousand years of our civilization like the numbers work the numbers are easy like yeah we just we put it somewhere i don't know there's something it just energetically there's something wrong about it have you seen the um the uh they they did this thing where they tried to come up with um, warnings for nuclear sites. Yes, yeah, the yeah, weird like, like illustration. Yeah, and like this is not a place of honor. Like yeah. no great deed is commemorated here. And they made yeah. a bunch of like abstract sculpture art that would look like threatening. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's the vibe of nuclear waste. Right. Like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. if you have to capture the vibe yeah. of it for some civilization that speaks some unknown language, mm-hmm. like it's bad vibes. Like yeah. you're just like well, I don't that know, one part something. of it is bad vibes. But that's what I'm saying about, like, my approach in terms of, like, a system's design. It's, Mm -hmm. like, that's, like, a dead end of the system where it's, like, you have no use for that waste. You just have to, like, throw it somewhere that you can't see it. But you just have to look at the numbers. It's, like, a small, small, small amount of waste for the amount of energy that's produced. It's probably less waste on net than is produced by solar and wind farms that just mechanically break down, have to be replaced, are a lot more, like, you know... If you want to generate some solar energy, you're going to need a lot of mass and solar panels to generate that s- the same amount of energy that you would generate from a nuclear plant. So look at like try to figure out the size of the landfill in Nebraska that would um, be required to uh, put all of the solar panels in. the The nuclear thing is just going to look more palatable. Everything is about trade offs, and so you just have to like look at those trade offs and then like. Yeah, like, I guess we can have this, like, two-square-mile thing in Nebraska where we dump the glowing green shit. This place is not a place of honor. Yeah, yeah. versus, like, uh, you know, 
turning all of South Dakota into like a uh, landfill for uh, solar panels and like wind panels and shit. Yeah, I got to think about it more. What's the difference between like nuclear power reactors and like the sun? This oh. is a question for me, not for you. But oh, I yeah, I don't know. Is, is the sun is the sun fusion or fission? Fission. Are you sure? Oh God, now I'm embarrassing myself. <laughs> Planetary. The sun. I, I know. Sun I know. It's. I know it's fusion. I know why I know it's fusion. Right. The sun is all hydrogen. Mm-hmm. Hydrogen only has one proton and one electron, mm-hmm. so you can't break it apart. So it must be fusion. So the sun is fusion. I think. Uh-oh. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. So the sun is fusion. What do you mean? What's the difference? Well, I mean, I'm just I'm coming up with my spiritual thesis. On oh, it's yeah. like, is what we're doing different than what the sun does because the sun is like clearly this like magnanimous good, right? You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. it's like yeah. is it so different? Are we creating mini suns or are we doing some like bastardized version? Bastardized of what the sun version, does? definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What does the sun do with all its nuclear waste? Uh, the sun is the sun is is fusion, so it doesn't generate nuclear waste. See, that's what we do. We need to make mini suns. We're trying, but it's not going to work. Like, it's too expensive. Okay, like, we've so really far. gone off yeah, the yeah, rails yeah, yeah. here. Okay, so back to Bitcoin Energy Fund. So one other thing you've got to consider with Bitcoin Energy Fund is, like, well, what is the energy mix that Bitcoin is using, right? If Bitcoin is using a bunch of, like, dirty coal, that's worse than if Bitcoin is using a bunch of clean sources of energy. Sure. In general, renewable energy is the cheapest source of, of energy, so I think that Bitcoin's energy mix is actually better than average. Like it uses more renewable energy than other parts of the economy. Yeah, I think there's a good argument to be made for like the financial incentive of mining Bitcoin is greater if you use renewables. And mm-hmm. that like maybe that incentive. Okay, there's that. I think right. that's solid. Yeah. Then I think on top of that, people build the idea that uh, that somehow incentivizes renewable energy production, right. which I think also sort of works, but yep. it's, yep. I, I mean, mean, that's a little bit shakier than... You want to build renewable energy, you need, like, you know, let's say you want to build nuclear energy and there's going to eventually be demand for all the energy that you build, but maybe not right away, mm-hmm. right? So, well, if you can get a Bitcoin miner as a miner of, like, first resort or last resort or whatever, that's going to co-locate there, you don't need to worry about that. You can build all the new renewable energy that you want and, like, the... The, the demand is there from the beginning. So you don't need to worry about, you know, building energy that you can't deliver to like a customer. Sure, sure. I, I think in general that people sort of take a snapshot view of a market. Mm-hmm. So if you look at a market, right, and you have the old, the old you know, supply, or I don't, I, don't, I don't know how these curves are drawn, right? Let's say that, I forget which one's supply and which one's demand. So like, okay, you have like supply and demand, and I guess maybe this is like prices... Maybe this is price. I don't know. Let's call this price. We're doing like shitty nuclear physics, shitty economics. So what they do is they go, okay, like what happens when there's all of a sudden a source of new demand, like which is this curve getting shifted up, I guess. So, okay, you get a bunch of new demand and it goes like this and then you get like a new price here mm-hmm. and they go, okay, well, that's bad. I mean, you get not there, not there right where the where the curves meet they're like okay well that's bad because now this thing uh is now only available for a higher price Mm -hmm. but that's a static view that's looking at a snapshot of the market what's going to happen is that supply is going to respond right the 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 higher the price is the more the more the the supply more people are going to be willing to produce it and thus um in the long term supply increases and i guess i guess that's 
going this with. This is a real, yeah. You're, like, you're really like... <laughs> going with this, right? And then, you know, eventually you get a new equilibrium with a lower price. Sure. Right? There. Right? So, that like, this happened with quinoa. Right? Do you remember that? Like, there was quinoa oh, fud? Quinoa fud. Yeah, yes. where everybody was of like, course. oh, we're, we're, like, quinoa is getting popular in the United States. We are stealing all the quinoa from the Guatemalan Highlanders mm-hmm. who traditionally, like, grow it and eat it. Um, and so this is very bad. This is right. neocolonialism. We need to stop doing this. If you look at the price of quinoa, it in fact, it went up temporarily as demand for quinoa increased in the United States. Mm-hmm. But then as supply responded, price went down and it went down below its original price. So quinoa is now cheaper and more plentiful than it was before. Well, someone should really write a like free market, pro-free market piece on that. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, there would probably be like the people who originally said quinoa is too expensive would uh, seamlessly shift gears into an argument where like capitalists are flooding the market with quinoa. And now the Guatemalan Highlanders aren't allowed, aren't able to make as much money as they did before. That's like they would literally seamlessly yeah. shift gears between <laughs> completely incoherent, like opposites of the same pole. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember why we were talking about this relevant to Bitcoin. Uh, because I was saying that, <laughs> uh, okay, that like uh, Bitcoin energy demand from Bitcoin miners mm-hmm. might lead to a temporary increase in energy prices. Sure. But over the long term should incentivize the build out of more energy resources and will probably lead to cheaper prices overall. And in theory, that's like renewable energy. Right. Renewable energy. But I also, I actually do think that like, I I think that's a good argument that I think will probably happen. But I also think that what I've noticed is that there's like oil and gas people that are Mm -hmm. now starting to infiltrate Bitcoin because they're realizing that there's now an argument. Like there was this like, he, he didn't win the primary, but there was this guy at the like Bitcoin Miami who was running for Senate in the Republican primary, Mm -hmm. clearly like an oil and gas dude Mm -hmm. who just saw this and was like, Oh yeah. Like I can use this to promote fracking. Right. And so like that was his kind of like sticking point. Absolutely. Yeah. And I definitely think that like, there's like a section of the Bitcoin community that's starting to get co-opted into oil and gas Definitely. because of that. Yeah. And I see people who, I mean, we both noticed this, like people who just don't think that climate change is a thing. Yeah. They go like carbon, it's in the atmosphere. Like we breathe it. Like it's how could it be It's actually making the plants more productive. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> which it probably is. That's not a terrible argument. <laughs> no, but it's just, all the but way it's like that, this like, sort of cherry picking. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I, I do think that climate change is like very nuanced and right. there's like I have any wants. I mean, we should not go into it because yeah. we'll just go on forever and yeah. our weird little like offshoots. But like, I do think that climate change is nuanced uh-huh. yep. and I think it's easy to manipulate the argument in a lot of different ways and be like, well, actually this might not be such a bad thing and right. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I think like there's a tendency for Bitcoiners to do that around climate change because they feel so attached. Just mood affiliation. They don't want anything that yeah. makes that, that, that would lead to somebody saying something negative about Bitcoin to be true. And yeah. so they just deny it. Whereas over here we're like, we're realists. This yeah. is the only source of non-fake news on the internet. You saw me looking at the laptop, didn't yeah, I you? Did. <laughs> we are the only. We are the source of truth. Anybody who says anything other than us is lying. What's true is what's useful. Yeah, that's right. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, there's a lot more in my notes, but what do you think? Like, should we? 
Should we go? We didn't talk about the Kardashev scam. Yeah, I mean, okay, one thing I'll just say, like, really quick, I think it needs to be said. Bitcoin miners can turn on and off uh, on a dime. Mm -hmm. So this is really good for uh, energy grids. Energy grids love consumers like that. Um, they can go, you know, you're managing your grid. The uh, There's a demand spike. You tell the Bitcoin miners, like, hey, spin down. Mm -hmm. Bitcoin miners don't care. Uh, they're fine spinning down. They don't need to have 100% uptime, right? Unlike a hospital that absolutely needs 100% uptime, mm -hmm. they'll do it. So they definitely, I would say a grid which has Bitcoin miners is going to be more stable than a grid that doesn't, just like flat out. Okay. Um, because it's this demand that like spins up and down like on a dime. Mm -hmm. um, what else? Anti-FUD. Just spewing some anti-FUD here. Anti-FUD. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's I think that's probably it. There's like, honestly a lot. I mean, I feel like we could even do another episode about this. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I have even more to talk about. Yeah. But oh, Lightning Network. So. Uh, yeah, my question was: Does the Lightning Network? How does the Lightning Network fit into all of this? Right. Yeah. Like, does the Lightning Network use the same amount of energy, or is it working in this like yeah. other abstract area? It's uh, it's sort of not correct to say that like a given transaction uses a certain amount of energy. Like it doesn't literally take a certain amount of energy to process a transaction. Mm -hmm. um, at high transaction times and low transaction times, the amount of Bitcoin energy used by miners is the same. So like we see peaks and troughs of transaction activity on Bitcoin and, and, and the miners are going to be using the same amount of energy regardless. Um, so it's kind of not correct to say that a transaction uses a certain amount of energy. That being said, um, demand for block space, i.e. demand for transactions will incentivize miners to spend more. If there's more transactions, there's higher fees. Miners are then willing to um, pay more to get those fees. Mm -hmm. So the way the Lightning Network works is very complicated because it means with the Lightning Network, you can do many, many Lightning Network transactions before you need to do a base layer transaction that pays a fee to a miner. You and me can create a channel with one on-chain Bitcoin transaction, do a billion lightning transactions mm -hmm. and then close it out with another lightning transaction. So we've just only posted two fee paying transactions, two transactions that pay money to miners, the mm -hmm. opening and closing of the channel. But then we did like a billion like little transactions between ourselves. Mm -hmm. So to the extent that the lightning network reduces to the extent that the lightning network move trans moves transactions off of the base layer, fees will decrease. But to the extent that there is demand for Lightning Network channels for new transactions that otherwise wouldn't happen on the chain, mm -hmm. uh, demand for on-chain space will increase and thus fees will also increase. So it's kind of like the Lightning Network kind of cuts at it both ways. Put that in terms of energy. Uh, so, okay. So um, miners buy energy proportional to the amount of fees that they can collect. So they're one to like, whatever. Yeah. It's proportional. Exactly. Yeah. If, 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 if you, if you put an extra, if you, if you put a transaction on chain that pays an extra dollar in fees, Bitcoin miners are going to be willing to buy one more dollar of energy sure. to get that fee. Okay. So what you're saying is that like lightning network is sort of negligible in terms of energy fees. We don't know. Yeah. I think what's actually going to happen is that, um, the transaction that happened the transactions that happen on the lightning network some of those transactions will be ones that are moving off of the chain onto the lightning network that decreases fees a little bit but the vast majority of the transactions on the lightning network will be transactions that were enabled by the lightning network that wouldn't have happened on the base chain and so 
as a result, we'll get all this demand for opening and closing transactions, opening and closing lightning or channels for all these new transactions. Mm. And those channel open and closes will pay fees to the miner. And so overall, probably more fees and thus more energy usage, but lower fee per transaction. Sure. So more transactions. Yeah. Bump to the amount of energy that the miners are consuming, but huge bump to the number of transactions that can be done. Sure. Yeah. Okay. That was my, yeah. yeah. When in researching about this, I was like, where does the lightning network fit? Yeah. All I think, I think, sounds like it's, I think we're going to get, I think within, I'd say it's everything's slower than you think it's going to be, mm-hmm. but I think like probably within five years and definitely within 10 years, the lightning network is going to explode in a really crazy way. And some large proportion of global commerce is going to be done over the lightning network. And that's going to make Bitcoin way more efficient on a per transaction basis. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, Lightning Network, mining transaction fees. We got to that. So like, what do you think about a system where Bitcoin is like the global reserve currency? So like mm-hmm. you could have some low energy transaction currency that like mm-hmm. is doing its thing, but it's mm-hmm. pegged to Bitcoin or it's backed by Bitcoin in some mm-hmm. way. Like, is that a viable solution or do you need it to be like a Bitcoin only transaction kind of world? So one is that what you're describing is actually sounds a lot like the lightning network mm-hmm. where Bitcoin over lightning is that low energy intensity currency. Right. Right. Where you can do these low transaction, low energy intensity currencies. And then Bitcoin is used for like large settlement transactions and channel opens and closes. Mm-hmm. So I think there is an all Bitcoin world that works that way. Uh is that an ideological answer or a practical answer? No, uh, it's, I think it's a practical answer. What if you want a currency that's like a doge? Oh, yeah. I don't think anybody will actually want a currency like that. I think people will vote with their feet and they'll be like, oh, yeah, like I actually want the currency that's the fastest, the stablest, the least volatile, the most secure. Like people like doge because they're memeing, yeah, right? Yeah, But People who are like, oh, what am I going to store my money in? What am I going to run my business well, right, on? Right. I think like storing your money in Bitcoin. But mm-hmm. then in terms of transactions, like what if you want to like buy an NBA ticket in Doge? But Doge is back. I mean, it's not Doge. Whatever. Yeah. But something is like backed by Bitcoin. But for right. whatever reason, vibes wise, people right. just right. vibe more with a Doge than a Satoshi. I think like, does that matter? Not to- Not very much because I think eventually the practical concerns will outweigh, outweigh the vibes. They'll be like, okay, I could use Doge, but I'm going to pay higher fees because mm-hmm. that is less liquidity. The transaction is going to go slower. Um, it's going to be less secure. I'm not going to be able to pay over the Lightning Network. And so as much as they as they vibe with Doge, they'll be like, no, I want to... That might actually be the dichotomy of our podcast is that you think that the practicality will win oh, out yeah, and yeah, I yeah, think yeah, that yeah. the, the vibes will win out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to bring the vibes to Bitcoin. Like I'm like doing like like I want to do like awesome generative digital art on Bitcoin. I'm trying to bring the vibes to Bitcoin. We're both trying to in our own special way. Yeah, it's not a competition, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, no. I mean, you're gonna win, but it's a competition. So I'm like, no, it's not a competition. <laughs> Free market, baby. No. Yeah. yeah. Um. Shall we call it? Yeah, we should call it. I think we're we're at a good amount of time. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. I don't think we got to a conclusion, but hopefully we discussed it over. Yeah, we discussed it. There's way, no, con- there's no conclusion. It's like a lot of like things, and like got to weigh them off and trade offs, yeah. and got to get off your monocausal hobby horse and like look at the data and like. 
Yeah, look at the data, feel the vibes. I think it's important also, like, obviously we're doing this sort of, like, Bitcoin-centered podcast, but I'm not interested in doing, like, Bitcoin propaganda. Right. Like, I think it's right. it's more that I want to talk about these various yeah. topics yeah. and kind of, like, break them down. And I think, like, the subculture is interesting. I think Bitcoin as a technology is interesting. Like, I'm hoping that each episode we can sort of just, like, attack it mm-hmm. rather than be like, and let us tell you why yeah. energy FUD is bullshit. For sure. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think we did a good job. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Just pat ourselves on the on Great the work, everyone. Yeah. Episode three. Excellent work. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks for listening. Cool. See you guys next time. Bye.